With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is your county going to do this year? Yes, sir. Well, I, I would predict that Wood County is going to go with Trump. And I think all the polling that we see out there that's in the opposite direction I mean, if you compare it to 16, he's actually doing a lot better than he did against Clinton. If you measure polling 16 versus 20, what I found in Wood County is that there's a pretty large measure, a large demographic of blue-collar workers that is really emblematic of places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. We have a our own blue, version of the blue wall in Wood County, and that blue wall was scaled by Trump, and it's not an electorate that necessarily is going to tell the truth to pollsters. Many pollsters come in and ask them, hey, are you going to vote for Trump or Clinton? They said Clinton because they didn't want people to know who they were voting for or because they were angry at the pollsters. And that's a pretty rep- large demographic of what made Wood County swing at 16. Well, the same thing, except this time we're seeing even more energy amongst that blue-collar vote in the perimeter of our county. Okay. Well, let's go to that other question, which is, um, uh, do you really think that the people uh, don't give the real answer to pollsters? Yeah, I, I mean, in some cases, uh, sh- sure, but in the many cases that I found, even as I looked at Jeremy Harpel's story here in Wood County, it, especially amongst the blue-collar demographics, no, they're not answering them correctly. There's a lot of people that don't want them to know what they're, what they're voting, and they don't want others to know. A lot of people want to keep that secret because they don't want – maybe it's because they don't want pressure or peer pressure from people outside of their network. Maybe it's their union bosses who are telling them they should vote their paycheck. Maybe they just really dislike the pollsters. I heard all of those answers as I talked to dozens of blue-collar voters here in Wood County. Well, then let me ask you this question. Uh, um, do you think that President Trump um, uh, is, in effect, uh, just playing uh, shooting himself in the foot with all of these uh, various tweets that he puts out there, and maybe he should be just hitting one or two messages? Well, in many of my conversations, the one lament that many of the uh, the voters that are kind of considering who they're going to vote for, the one lament that they mentioned was the way that he communicates, whether that's through Twitter or some of the, the personal attacks. And it's one of the things that they have actually considered not voting him for him because they, they really are concerned with that. And that, that goes across many demographics, uh, especially in suburban America, you know, suburban elements of Wood County where you have rising families who don't want their children to – I don't know, be saying stuff about other people. So that is one concern that I have heard expressed on multiple occasions. The thing that really changed within the millennials' uh, voting habits as I studied them was the people that voted for personality of Obama, the way he, they liked the way he communicated, they loved the way that he talked, they loved the kind of the personality, the persona that he represented. They really changed their voting persuasion in 16 on the basis of certain principles whether it was having children and being aware of the fact that you have taxes to pay and you want to have a better future for your children and for the next generation, or whether it was the pro-life issue or whether it was something related to economic engagement other than having, you know, other than engaged in a workforce. These principles led them to kind of forget the personality. I want to care about what he does. What is this individual doing that's going to be best for me, my future, and the future of my community? That's really what changed in these voters' minds in Wood County. 
Uh, I'm going to ask one more question and turn over to uh, IQ. But my other question is, here's a president that has probably redeemed more of his campaign promises than any other president in the last 50 years. Yet uh, people don't talk about that. What do you say to that? Well, you know, we're dealing with a real, uh, a real hegemony of fake news media. We're dealing with big tech suppression of truth, it's only channeling certain voices. We're dealing with the institutions of education and print media. I mean, there are a lot of forces out there that really want to see this guy destroyed. So anything that he's done that's positive, they're going to do everything they can to preach the negative message. And that's why it's hard for people to get access to him. And in spite of the many voters that had concerns about the way he communicates, the one thing they did appreciate was that he has direct access through his Twitter account to Americans, got directly to their phones. That's one thing they did appreciate. Now that we see Twitter really stepping their, their uh, animus up and, and doing everything they can to suppress more and more of his tweets, I think that that's angering voters. Uh, I think that that's something that they're frustrated by. Hi, Q. Welcome back. And please, uh, I have a question. I don't have a question. It's just a statement of fact. In many of my articles that have been published in the United States of America and in many talk shows, from the rational point of view, purely rational and selfish point of view, every American with two brain cells of logic and a bit of decency should see that under Trump in less than four years or nearly four years now, he has achieved more than any president in the last 50 years, exactly as what Don said a few minutes ago. From the rational point of view, at least 60 to 65 percent of the American public should be supporting him. What do you think? Uh, well, I agree. I mean, I've, I've heard it said, start looking at what he does. Don't listen to what he says. Don't be bounded by that. If you look at the policy achievements of this administration, uh, what has been done is, is pretty unprecedented in many ways. From the, he's the most pro-life president in American history. He was the first to speak at the pro-life rally, uh, I think last year or two years ago. A lot of the work to try to make sure that America was protected from China. Uh, a lot of the onshoring of jobs in the manufacturing. A lot of the cutting of regulation. The reduction of taxes. The economy that was thriving until this nefarious enemy, uh, this COVID stepped in sent from China, you know, created by China. So there's all sorts of things that uh, that you could point to to demonstrate achievement and success. And I think, generally speaking, if you were to ask Americans, uh, if you take out COVID especially, you ask Americans, what, are you better now than you were four years ago? I think the answer would be yes. Now you add COVID to it. Well, would you rather have uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump leading you through this crisis? Now the answer is going to be Donald Trump. You know, this is the best news I've heard in the last four years, to tell you the truth. Because based, literally, as I said, based on logic, nothing to do with patriotism, nothing to do with black, white, whatever. By the way, he's the, the best president for blacks ever in the history of the republic. Am I right or wrong? Well, you know, he's got some great competition up there because you've got Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses Grant, um, who are they were heavily engaged in liberating them from slavery. So you look at different times and different successes. But I, I think the work that he's done, in terms of liberating them from economic chains of bondage, uh, it has been demonstrated through that amazing record that was set by the lowest unemployment rate in the history of America with black Americans. And I think there's a lot of them. You actually see one of the things I saw recently was a, an article on the energy that black Americans have in support of President Trump. 
um, and it's, it's, at, it's nearing its highest point that it has been in the last four years. So I think his, his message is starting to resonate with them, and the more that they see the left going so radically far left and center with defunding the police and taking away a rule of law, I think the more these voters are going to be attracted to, to the message that Trump sends to Americans. As far as I understand, I mean, I've been monitoring this United States of America for about 12 years. I live in Europe. My background is from Iraq. I speak. The United States of America today under Trump would be the savior of Western civilization if he stays. If any Democrat wins, it doesn't matter with Obama, Biden or anybody else, any Democrat wins is the end of Western civilization. Am I exaggerating? No, you're not, and, and unfortunately, I wish you were exaggerating, I wish you were wrong, but with, with the new administration, uh, the Democrats have made it very clear. Their goal is to institutionalize the 1619 Project, their goal is to uh, really abolish charter schools and homeschools, you know, freedom of education and school choice. Their goal is to really re re-educate um, and to institutionalize their nefarious vision and worldview, which is that America is evil, America is an imperialist nation, America must repent of its sins. America must bow down and become a part of this global elite structure. These are all things they've talked about. I mean, this is, this is not anything that we're, that's being made up. These are things that have been talked about, have been publicized. Look at the House of Representatives led by Nancy Pelosi. Look at the legislation that they've passed out of the House under her leadership in the last two years. That's all you got to do to see exactly what they hope to do if they lead the White House and they lead the Congress. My Considering what you just said, this is a fact, not an exaggeration. How is it conceivable at least 47% of American public support the Democrat Party? doesn't make sense. Well, you know, I, I think one of the challenges that the millennial generation has and younger voters generally is we've, 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 we've grown up with a quite a bit of um, institutionalization, of leftist values, you know, from the points of high school through college to our social media feeds uh, to the way that values have been described. And I think as a result of that, you have a generation that is, is really bent in that direction. They haven't been taught otherwise. And there's a, a lot of millennials in mainland America who, in spite of having um, been taught these things, wonder that doesn't seem to all add up. It doesn't entirely make sense. And that's why Bellwood of Blues, the common thread that I found amongst the stories of millennials that did change their voting pattern was mentors. There were mentors that stepped into their lives and asked them really tough questions, listened really well, invested into their lives, earned the right to be heard, and over the process of that conversation, they saw the opportunity to share uh, what they believed because the millennial really wanted to learn what they had to say. So that's my encouragement to those out there that are concerned about this election. Step into millennials' lives. Have conversations with them. Build relationships you really will have the opportunity to eventually share with them the reasons why they should vote in a different direction. I feel done. Okay. Uh, I get, uh, as you asked, my next question is, uh, you're going to ask, and uh, if I heard you correctly, you've been uh, uh, following uh, people, particularly the millennials. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, so my analysis was of the millennial generation, which is aged between 24 and 39 years of age. They're now out of college, and they're kind of moving into life, having children and, and jobs, et cetera. Well, um, from, the, from your polling, you know, um, we, we have a very difficult job separating how people feel from what our media says. 
Um, and uh, by the way, the New York Times today uh, had a very interesting article about the fact that we're simply not making babies like we used to. We said, well, Japanese be true. But, but in, uh, in all of this, uh, are you seeing that uh, there are enough people uh, who feel, uh, as we in the Sony, this uh, program feel, uh, to offset this, uh, this rise in, uh, in liberalism, uh, for want of a better word? I, don't, I hate the word progressive because uh, it uh, really uh, 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 doesn't really talk about what they're doing. Are there enough people out there to, to uh, offset um, this, uh, this rising leftist uh, conspiracy grouping? Well, you know, I, I think it's actually been to the advantage of free-minded Americans to see the left's true agenda played out in the streets of Portland and Seattle. I mean, if this had happened in September, if some of these events had occurred a little later on, I don't know that people could have recognized the true face of Antifa, the true face of Marxists, the true face of these nefarious ideologies that want to find their way into all of our institutions to, to you know, cripple all of our lives. But since we have now been able to spend a summer seeing the way that these Capitol Hill autonomous zones rise up, seeing the way that they absolutely assault any level of authority, trying to take down buildings, when, when we see these things and we see businesses looted and windows broken, I think it gives many Americans that are free-minded and free thinkers who value freedom the ability to recognize that maybe there's an alternative choice. Maybe the way I've been taught and trained in school is not the right way to vote. And I, I really think that there's a, a great chance, especially if individuals that uh, understand truth step into the shoes of these individuals and start to have conversations. When you step into their lives, you have conversations. I'm very optimistic that millennials and other voters in swing counties throughout America and the places where these votes really count because we have an electoral college. I'm confident that their votes can be won over. They can be persuaded. Well, let's go back to you, Swing County, which I'm very interested in. Um, uh, what is your county made up of? Are you a suburb of some city? Uh, well, what's interesting about Wood County, and the reason why it represents Ohio so well, is we have multiple demographic factors. We have a university town in Bowling Green. Bowling Green State University with around 25,000 students. And then we have suburbs with, uh, you know, younger families that are growing and wealthy. We have a lot of uh, businesses that have invested into the county. We have that blue-collar perimeter with union workers and other blue-collar workers. And then we have an agricultural community. We're the 23rd largest county in the state of Ohio of 88 counties by population, but we're the seventh largest by geography. So we have a lot of space, and we have a lot of different nuances within the demographics of our population, which makes us really interesting. Moreover, we're also the youngest of the three swing counties in Ohio. We're the youngest of those three. So we have a really uh, strong representation of what younger voters look like, young families especially, what they look like coming into the 2020 election. And that's why looking at Wood County is an important thing to do for those that want to understand what's going to happen in the state of Ohio. You need not go any further than Wood County. Well, then let me ask you this. In, in the uh, midterm elections, where did it go, Democrat or Republican? Yes, sir. Well, I can tell you this. Polling in 16 was as bad as it was in 18. So in 16, everyone predicted uh, that, you know, Clinton would win by supermajorities and the, the legislature would be turned over. Obviously, we know the story there. Trump wins. We retain the House and the Senate here in the state of Ohio. 
Well, 18, they were making the same predictions. We had the same polls that were out there making the same proclamations. Every statewide office is going to be won by Democrats, and we were going to lose the legislatures. Well, guess what happened? We won. The Republicans won every statewide office, governor on down. And we, we won super majorities, uh, unprecedented super majorities in our legislatures in our state. So once again, polling failed. We can't trust these polling numbers. They were entirely wrong in the state of Ohio. They were entirely wrong in Wood County. And they're entirely wrong once again in 2020. But let me ask you a question. What did Wood County do? Did they vote the Democrat or the Republican? Oh, no, sir. I mean, in uh, in 16, uh, Ohio went for Trump with eight points by an eight-point margin. He won Wood County by eight points. In uh, 2018, the midterms, DeWine, Governor DeWine, the Republican, he won Wood County. He won the state by four points. He won Wood County by four points. Exactly in line. Okay. Well, then, let me ask you this. In the suburbs, one of the things that happened in, six, in 18 was that the suburban women went for the Democrats. In your, in your county, what did they do in uh, 18 in, uh, in terms of suburban? Do you have any breakdown of that? Yeah, yeah there were uh, you know, two real major demographics that influenced the midterm elections in 18 in Wood County, and one of those was the suburban uh, families. And we saw a move in the wrong direction, if you would, a move towards the center with more and more families, and I think uh, suburban women especially, uh, voting against a uh, Republican candidate. Uh, but the encouraging news was is that that blue-collar vote that I talked about earlier, they really stayed. They Not only did they vote, but they voted in, uh, in line with the Republican candidate. And nobody was sure because Trump was just such a unicorn. He was so unique. Uh, no one knew if uh, these voters were going to stay and continue voting for members of the Republican Party or if they were just one-time voters. What we found in 18 was we actually had really strong representation uh, on the blue perimeter, uh, the, the blue-collar perimeter of our county but it was the suburbs where we had a little bit of a, a challenge. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, people have said that the next election, this coming election, will be decided in the suburbs. Well, um, where do you think the trend is today? Well, my prediction today, and, you know, we still have uh, 100 days or so, which the year, like, 2020 feels like a lifetime. You don't know what events are going to transpire between now and November. But what I can say based on the vantage point of today is usually uh, the suburb populations vote at higher rates during midterms. Usually their voter representation is higher, whereas the outer perimeter, blue-collar workers, they only vote every four years. So as I look at it from the lens of how they voted in 16, what happened in 18, and then what we're looking at in 20, I'm very optimistic. I think Wood County is going to go solidly in the red. I think Ohio is going to go solidly in the red, and I think that's indicative of other swing states that are going to go solidly in the red, giving uh, President Trump the electoral victory that I think will be decisive in 2020. Well, uh, and I could be wrong on this, but I thought to look, again, I cite I, um, I the New York Times, which as you knows is my favorite newspaper. Uh, <laughs> um, um, uh, has uh, Ohio solidly in the Biden camp? What do you say to that? Uh, well, it was fake news in 16, it was fake news in 18, and it's still fake news in 20. No, from your lips to God's ears, I always say. Um, I, 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 can I go back to you? I mean, this is a remarkable interview today. I mean, this is the most positive interview I've heard in the last four years. And I'm grateful for it. I hope it will be true, because it is so perfectly logical 
that people should vote for Trump. But we are living in a very irrational period of time. So anything is possible. But I'm really happy, and God willing, I'll buy your book. Well, can I ask well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for, uh, thanks yeah. for your encouraging words. It's been an honor to be in the interview. And I, I really try to, I'm trying to speak not out of emotion, but to your point, out of logic and out of communication and what I see and studying the data and talking to people. You get a really good feel for what's happening in places like Wood County, Ohio. Well, let me ask, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Attorney General of New York has just made a move to, uh, 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 and the national, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, and I don't know if you're aware of that, but, um, and I do know that Ohio is a fairly strong NRA state. So, uh, how do you think things like that will affect the, the voters? Well, I think it fits with everything else that we talked about earlier. I mean, not only are Americans uh, are frustrated with the way that they defunded the police, but they also see situations like we saw in St. Louis where they take away the rights of homeowners to protect their property. I uh, think they can see the agenda of the left. It's very clear and obvious. Not only will they defund the police, but they'll take away Second Amendment rights. And this move in New York by a very left of center uh, politician is emblematic of what the rest of the Democratic Party wants to do. But why, uh, why hasn't the President Trump, in your opinion, not uh, really hammered away at these issues? For instance, yesterday he wasted uh, yesterday's news cycle talking talking about uh, one of his of uh, his own health uh, leaders by uh, complaining about her. Well, um, why is he not just uh, um, heading away at these issues? In your opinion? Well. Yeah, you know, I'm not a campaign staffer, and I can only give you what I read and see. And it's easy for me, from my vantage point, to argue this is what he should be talking about. One of the things I have seen in polling is that a lot of Americans are very concerned about COVID. They're concerned about the left and the radicalization of the left. They're also concerned about COVID and the ways that it can affect their lives. A lot of people have had uh, extended relatives or neighbors or other people that, that may have been severely impacted by this. So one of the things that I've, I've seen, and this is pulling across the board, is that there is a, a need for um, communication to demonstrate compassion and care and aggression towards fighting this virus, while at the same time communicating a strong resolve for seeing the economy return to what it was back before this whole thing uh, came at us. But that's oh, well. exactly what Trump has been doing, actually. Yes, I, mean, I, don't think I don't think he's been articulated. And and uh, in your county, may I ask, how do how do people perceive his handling of the COVID um, crisis? Uh, well, I don't have you know empirical evidence here, so I'm, I'm speaking more anecdotally in this case. But I, I would say it's kind of been mixed reviews and uh, talking amongst obviously uh, Democrats and liberals. They hate the way he's handled the economy, but amongst Republicans, I've I've heard mixed reviews. Some of them are frustrated. Some of them understand. So there's, there's a lot of uh, di division or difference of opinion on the right side of the table here, while most people like the way that Governor DeWine has handled this. So that, that's kind of their opinion, but what I'm seeing, and what's encouraging to me at least, is that I think they understand there's a level of grace. This is unprecedented. Like We're going back 100 years before we had a virus like this come at us, and, and you don't exactly know what to do, but I, I think now that we're seeing more of a, a reduction in, in, uh, in COVID counts and we're understanding more of the work that was done to get us back into shape to create 
uh, ventilator opportunities uh, and capacities throughout hospitals, the work they do with manufacturing. I think as that message gets out, it's not going to dissuade people from supporting him in November. Okay. Uh, uh, I have a lot of questions like you. I can't jump in there, my friend. Really, there's nothing to jump in. This is fantastic. I mean, literally, we're discussing rational thinking. How could Trump, who has never been a politician, be blamed for everything that the politicians failed in the last 50 years? He was never in politics. But they're blaming him even for the rising sun or the temperature goes up and the the climate changes and then you have COVID. Everything is blamed on Trump. It's irrational. You know it's irrational. I know it's irrational. The question is how many more Americans know it's irrational. Anyway, the message is beautiful. I have no questions. Thank you. Jonathan, one minute. Let me ask you this question. Um, If you you look at the cities across the country, uh, um, no matter where they are, most politicians have failed in terms of leadership. Uh, when uh, uh, faced with the anarchy, uh, how is that uh, working out in your your neck of the woods? Uh, well, thankfully, I think we're governed uh, pretty well here in Northwest Ohio and throughout our state. We, we don't have very far, thanks to the 18 midterm results. I mean, I can't imagine living in Ohio with Democratic leadership. Who knows what we would be experiencing? Probably similar to what they're experiencing up north of us in Michigan. Uh, so thankfully, we don't have to deal with the, the craziness. We don't have to deal with animus, which motivates partisan decision-making and how to handle the virus towards the president. And we don't have to deal with that here in Ohio. And as a result, I think Ohio is, is one of the shining states in terms of how we've responded and how we've handled this thing. And, yeah, we've suffered. In fact, they just found out our governor has COVID today. He was just uh, diagnosed with, uh, with the virus. Uh, so we, we know it's out there, but I, I think Ohio, and Ohio generally has done a pretty decent job. Well, yeah, wasn't President Trump coming for a rally there, either today, tomorrow, or sometime soon? Uh, well, I'm sitting outside of uh, Whirlpool Manufacturing here in Clyde, Ohio. I just listened to him speak for about an hour and a half. Okay. Well, let me ask, uh, let me ask the other question. Uh, when you, wherever he goes, he, he uh, attracts a large crowds, yet the, the media... <laughs> never really puts it in that basis. Uh, is his popularity um, the, the, uh, as, as, uh, uh, as huge as it appears in his crowd? Yeah, yeah I got a story for you. So in January, the president came to Toledo, Ohio. That was his first campaign stop in 2020. It's such an important place to, to win as a swing state. So he came here and there were lines longer than I've ever seen in the city of Toledo. You're talking about blocks for miles of people waiting to get into this arena. And then when many of them couldn't get in, they were, they were outside watching on a big screen by the thousands. And inside of the arena, the, the place was just packed. I mean, it was jam-packed, but there was one section that was empty. And the only reason that section was empty was, it was because it was behind the media. And if you're behind the media, you can't see the president. Well, guess what pictures the media was taking to demonstrate the lack of attendance at this Trump rally. They took the pictures directly behind them of the empty seats that were there because they were blocking them from seeing the president. The place was jam-packed. So I have no question, just from that alone, that I've seen 
to me to do everything within the power is to communicate something that fits their narrative. <laughs> That's a great story. That is a great story. Can I, uh, can I use it in my next... Uh, um, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's a fact. <laughs> I was there. I witnessed it. Go for it. Okay. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about your... Uh, what do you do when you're not uh, writing books? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've only written one. This is my first book, and uh, I don't know if I'll have another. I, I pray a lot about uh, what to do and how to handle it. I have a family. My wife and I have four kids, and I, I run a small business. Uh, it's a business that creates sustainable packaging. Uh, it's called Smart Solve, and it's my day job, and it's, that's primarily what I do. I'm involved in the, in the Republican Party. I'm involved in the nonprofit world. I founded a nonprofit that is working in Central America with uh, fatherless children, that, and we're also doing work now in D.C. Uh, so I'm involved in a few boards and running a business, so that's basically my day-to-day. And when do you sleep? <laughs> uh, you know, I think that I found great efficiency, and, and really life and success is about other people. You know, you got to have really great people in your life to do things successfully. Um, so God has blessed me with some amazing relationships, and uh, one of the things that my wife and I constantly talk about is making sure that we make the right decisions. There's a difference between opportunities. We all have many opportunities that come at us in life in various shapes, sizes, and forms. There's a difference between those opportunities and assignments. And to me, an assignment is something that I'm called to do. I'm made to do that. So we really try to choose assignments because we know that we can invest our time, talent, and treasure into places that are going to reap a return. Well, you bring up God, which uh, uh, many, many of us do, but... But it seems here in America, we, we, uh, religion is losing uh, uh, losing the battle with secularism. Or, uh, do you feel that's also a, a critical issue that has to be addressed in the coming years? Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, the millennials and Gen Z are the least religious generations in American history. And that lack of faith is what's led to what we're seeing in Portland and Seattle. A lot of those youngsters out there, they have no hope, they have no future, they, they, they have no faith. All that they can do is try to find some purpose in life that, that is yeah. greater than what they've lived with, and that's anarchy, and that's toppling the government. It gives them some temporary purpose, but that, as we know, eventually leads to a lack of purpose and leads to destitution and leads to moral depravity. Um, so one of the things that I pray for, and all Americans should, frankly, whether someone believes in God or not, you should still root for faith, because whenever faith has flourished in American history is when America has flourished. I mean, faith is really, and the flourishing of faith is really what led to the abolition of slavery. And that, that's something that we want to see as Americans grow and flourish, and we need, we need more people to recognize their creator and the source of these rights that we have that we call inalienable. They're inalienable because they were given by God. Well, uh, well, Jonathan, I, I know we've uh, we've only got you here for for a limited amount of time. So, uh, but before we let you go, how do people find your book and everything else? Thank you, James. It's been great to be on with you guys. I appreciate all the questions. Uh, the book can be found at Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Amazon. It's on audio. Uh, you can buy an audio book or a Kindle, and then on our website at Bell. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.